0: Welcome to the BC Podcast, featuring a weekly message from Believer's Church in Warren, Ohio. For more information, visit www.believers.cc. Once again, good morning. Welcome to Believer's Church, guys. And um, When I was growing up, my parents had seven boys. Can you imagine that? No girls. We lived in about a, it was 14 to 1,600 square foot brick ranch, which was not big. Three bedrooms. Four of us were in one bedroom. Four, three boys in another bedroom, and then my mom and dad. And uh, the thing in our family is, my mom and dad were really clean freaks. Uh, they believed cleanliness was next to godliness, and they really believed that strong. And where I had a problem was, I never received a clean gene. It just, I was without a clean gene. I had several nicknames my brothers used to make fun of me. One was Patch Eye because I had a weak eye and had to wear a patch for two, two years. So they called me Patch Eye a lot. But the number one derogatory name that my brothers gave me was Sloppy Joe. And uh, <laughs> it was. I had the name, but I also was sloppy. And uh, usually whenever I ate, there was something on the floor near my feet. And uh, so they just called me Sloppy Joe. But now I'm, I'm living in a home with parents that believe cleanliness is next to godliness. And so when it came to our bedrooms, imagine four guys in a bedroom, and uh, we had to fix our beds military style. Nothing was allowed to be on the floor. Uh, I, I thought under the bed was a great place to put clothes so you didn't have to fold them, but mom checked every single day. Uh, imagine a closet where it was a fourth, quarters, one for each of us four, and uh, nothing could be on the floor, nothing could be hidden in the corner. And uh, I tried, but mom would, every day she'd walk in there and check, she'd scream your name, you'd have to come in and clean it up. Um, but then she put our laundry away, and she folded our socks, our underwear, our undershirts perfect. And you know how when you go in, and you say, I don't want that one, I want this one, and, and you just throw it back in, she'd call me in and make me fold everything and scream my name. So when I went away to Bible school, I was like excited. You know how some kids, they go to college, I'm going to party and get drunk, it's like, i was excited i could be sloppy and um (laughs) but i I went with my brother tony and uh tony had a clean gene so so uh we had a two-bedroom apartment so we agreed that my bedroom as long as i closed the door i could just take clothes off and lay them on the floor for a while and then get them when i need them you know that type of thing but the bathroom tony the first two weeks he drove me crazy because i always woke up early and i still do so i'd get in there first and then i'd hear him scream my name joe joe look there's a clump of toothpaste here in the sink and then he'd say look there's some of your hair right here and some shaving cream i say, tony i figured you were using it you can clean it up with your stuff (laughs) no i'm not going to do that for you and he'd get a kleenex he goes here's how it's done it's really easy just wipe like this and then he'd go your future wife's gonna thank me and gina has thanked him now something happens when you get married i don't know what it is actually when you begin to have kids It's like the clean gene was dormant in me, and then it came alive. I just became my parents eventually. But in our family, cleanliness was kind of a big deal. In your family, it may not have been. In your family, it might have been something else. But what we're going to do in this series is we titled this series Kind of a Big Deal. We're going to talk about what's a big deal to God. And once a year, we have what I call a vision series. And we just cast vision. And if you're visiting today, you're going to find out what makes us tick as a church. You're going to find out why we do what we do. You're going to find out our heartbeat. Because in a series, you find out the heartbeat of a church when you cast vision. So you'll be seeing what's kind of a big deal here at Believer's Church and why it's kind of a big deal. And I believe it should be a big deal to anybody uh, that loves Jesus. So I'll, I'll try to convince you of that today. But Here's what I want you to walk out. You know how every week I say I want you to walk out? I want this to be more real than it's ever been. So whenever I create a lesson, I say, what's the number one thing I want them to grasp? And, and, and here's the number one thing. What matters to God is all that matters. That, that's, that, that's... If you're a Christian, when, when you get to maturity, that's where you're going to end up. What matters to God is all that matters. And so many of you are already there. But when it's all said and done that's the bottom line. What matters to God is all that matters. Uh, we're people of eternity. Our goal is to live for eternity now as we walk on the earth. And I think Jesus was the perfect example, guys. Um, he was at this well. The disciples had run, run, were running errands. He's all by himself. There's a woman there. Now, in the culture of the day, uh, Jewish men were not to talk to women. And she was Samaritan and Jewish People never talked to the Samaritans because they were half Jews. They didn't like them. But Jesus has this conversation with this woman. And he ends up bringing her to believe in him as the Messiah. So then she goes back to her village and brings a bunch of people. uh, And and all of them believe in Jesus. So then the disciples come back. And they're like, what are you doing with these Samaritans? They're like blown away. So they said, Jesus, it's late. You had breakfast. You didn't have lunch. It's way past dinner time. Let's go to Chick-fil-A and get some food. Here's what Jesus said. He literally said this. He said, I have food to eat that you don't know about. That's what he said. So they're looking around saying, and this is what they said Did he bring food we don't know about? Does he have something hiding under his robe? Did did he bring some Snicker bars? They're not sure what's going on. So Jesus hears them talking. The Bible says they're they're talking amongst themselves. So then Jesus says this He says, My food is to do the will of God. Now they're really blown away. What does that mean? And what Jesus did in that moment, guys, is he let us know, you know how when you're starving, when you eat food, doesn't it satiate you? It gives you energy, food gives us energy, we need it to live. Well, Jesus said, there's also another type of food that won't give you energy for your body, but it will give you energy for your your soul, for your inner man, It it will just get you excited and make you smile, and Jesus said, I've hooked into that. So I'm just so hooked into that. He says, I'm so excited about it. And, and they're like, what's the will of God? What's the will of God? They don't, they don't know what he's talking about. And do you know the very next thing Jesus said right after he made that statement? The very next thing he said is he said, look at the fields, they're ripe to harvest. And they're like, so are we going to go eat some corn raw? <laughs> but then he made this statement. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send harvesters into the fields. And then they're like, ah. Oh. You're talking about people. You're talking about souls. You're talking about you just led her to believe in you, and you led most of the village. And they're like, ah, the light went on. They they got it. Jesus understood all that matters is what matters to God. He understood that, and he lived that, and he really wants you and I to come to that place. So, in this first lesson of, um, it's kind of a big deal. In the first lesson, here's what we're going to talk about: this city is kind of a big deal. This city. Now, if I were to give you the amplified version so you understand what city means, I would say the Mahoning Valley is kind of a big deal. You know, it includes Howland and Warren and Champion and Lakeview and Cortland and Hubbard and Brookfield and Poland and, and Canfield and Youngstown. It's, it's the valley. It's where you live. And we want to talk about the fact that where you live to God, it really matters and it's supposed to be kind of a really big deal to you and I. It's supposed to be a real big deal. Can we all agree that it's not because we have the nicest weather that it should be a big deal? Can, can, can I agree? Do we have the most sunshine all year long? No. Uh, is it because we, we have beautiful winters? Well, if you like winter, we have awesome winters. Is it because we have the most things to do here out of all the other cities in America? We have some cool things to do. You know, while we're looking for a worship leader, I always, the guys, I get on the phone with them and I, I start telling them how cool our area is. I tell them about the seasons are incredible, the four seasons, you know? Then I tell them, you know what? We're 60 miles from Cleveland, 60 miles from Pittsburgh. They're like, whoa, is there a lot to do in those Are you kidding me? And then, then my kids laugh at me when I throw this, these kind of things out. I go, are you kidding? Cleveland? Cleveland has the number two theater district in the United States of America. That's Broadway. Number two, you know who's number one? New York City. You know who's number two? Cleveland, Ohio. You know who's number three? Chicago. You know who's number four? Los Angeles. We're, we're number two. Uh, Broadway shows. That's, I, 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 and usually worship leaders, are they're like, oh, I, I like music. I, that's pretty cool. And, and guess what, guys? 60 miles from Cleveland, 60 miles from Pittsburgh. One of those cities has a really good football team, right? <laughs> Lots of championships, right? And then the other city we're rebuilding, we're gonna be great soon, right, right? The Browns fans, can I have an amen for all the Browns fans? Yeah, we're gonna be great soon. Um, it's not about what a city has to offer. It's about the people. And, and that's what I wanna help you understand. Uh, this city's kind of a big deal. Where you live is supposed to be a really big deal to you because there's a harvest there that God wants you to have a part in, in reaching. So. I love this scripture. This is a pretty powerful scripture and and it reads like this. It's Acts 1.8 and it says, but when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will receive power to testify about me with great effect to the people in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth about my death and resurrection. So what's the number one reason God gave us the Holy Spirit? What's the number one reason the Holy Spirit lives in you? so you can share Christ with others. There's all kinds of other reasons, can we agree? All kinds of other incredible things he does, but the number one reason is so you and I can share Christ with people. But here's the part I wanna emphasize. He says, I want you to share Christ to those in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then the ends of the earth. Now, why did he say Jerusalem first? I mean, we could give you some theological answers, but I wanna make it real simple. It's because that's where they were at. (laughs) Jesus died. He was raised from the dead. He's getting ready to ascend into heaven. The disciples live in Jerusalem. So what, what, what's important to God? The city where you live. So he says, Jerusalem. But Judea was like Trumbull County is to war, and Judea was the province. So Jerusalem laid in Judea. So he says, Jerusalem, then Judea, you know, all, all the surrounding areas. And then Samaria. Samaria was the rowdy county next door to Judea where everybody drove a pickup with a shotgun in the window. It was, it was a wild wild west kind of place and and so he said I want you to go in there too and then he says oh by the way foreign missions and going further and further is really really important for for Christians. So I'm convinced if Jesus were born here what if this Bible said the scriptures what if they prophesied there will be a virgin in Warren with child and she shall give birth to the Messiah. I'm, I'm not trying to change the Bible, but what if God chose Warren? What if she were born, what if Jesus were born here? What if he died here? What if he were raised from the dead here? What if his 12 disciples were here? What if he, he came after his resurrection and he were talking to them right now? What would he say? Well, I, I wrote a verse, it's the Believer's Bible. Let, take a look at what he would say. Uh, but when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will receive power to testify about me with great effect to the people in Warren throughout Trumbull County in Mahoning County, and to the ends of the earth about my death and resurrection. It's just all about the people. And what I want to do today is help you understand what matters to God is all that matters, and whew, people really matter to God. Jesus understood it. My food is to do the will of the Father. Now, we have some pictures in our in our halls. If you go out the north lobby and turn left, you'll see them. If you go out the, the, the west lobby and turn right, you'll see them The two hallways meet, and you see the pictures behind me. Um, Our graphic artist went out last year, and she asked people in the Mahoning Valley. They were in restaurants, coffee shops, stores, park benches. She said, I'd like to take your picture. We want to hang it up at our church. And they actually signed a paper giving us permission to do that. And she said, we just want our people to just always be able to see some people that live in Trumbull County that, that 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 are out there. This is part of the harvest. The majority of them said, we're not Christians. The majority of them said, we don't go to church. And when I walk by there, and there's some really cool wording you'll want to read at the end of each. When I walk out there during the week when I'm going to meetings in different rooms, every time I pass one of these people, I look at them and I just say, Lord, I thank you that they're going to come to know Jesus. like They're going to love him like I do. They're going to live for him like I do. And I just whisper a little prayer. Can I ask you to do that as you walk by in the in the weeks and the months to come? Uh, we're going to have them up there probably another year. And, and just make that part of your heartbeat that this city's kind of a big deal. Because to God, it's really, really a big deal. So what I thought I could do to help us is... I'm reading this book right now, and I actually read it, and I'm gonna go th- begin to go through the book with a group of guys uh, this week, and I'm really excited about it. But in the first chapter, they talk about the commander's intent. And the commander's intent is a term the military, our military uh, that, that they created. They were running into big problems where they had battle plans and then something would go wrong, and so they came up with this great idea and it's actually an idea Jesus used. He didn't call it commander's intent, but 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 it's the same thing Jesus did. So Jesus really created it. And I'm going to read some excerpts. Uh, I'm going to begin page 25. If you ever want to check this book out, and. I'll try to, I think I can read it so it's like me telling a story. It's, it's pretty good reading, and it, it reads like this. The trite expression we always use is no plan survives contact with the enemy, says Colonel Colts, the head of the behavioral science division at West Point. You may start off trying to fight your plan, but the enemy gets a vote. Unpredictable things happen, weather changes, a key asset is destroyed. The enemy responds in a way you don't expect. Many armies fell because they pull their, uh, their, all their emphasis into creating a plan that becomes useless 10 minutes into the battle. So in the 1980s, the Army has adapted its planning process, inventing a concept called Commander's Intent, CI. CI is a crisp, plain-talk statement that appears at the top of every order, specifying the plan's goal, the desired end statement of an operation. At high levels of the Army, the CI may be relatively abstract, break the will of the enemy in the southeast region at the tactical levels for colonels and captains, those, those are the leaders that take the men into battle. It, it, it says, at that tactical level, um, <coughs> it says, it's, uh, it's much more con- con- concrete. My intent is to have the 3rd Battalion on hill 4305, to have the hill cleared of enemies with only ineffective remnants remaining so we can protect the flank of the 3rd Brigade as they pass through the lines. The CI never specifies so much detail that it risks being rendered obsolete by unpredictable events. You can lose the ability to execute the original plan, but you never lose the responsibility of executing the intent. So Colts, in other words, says this, if there's one soldier left in the 3rd battalion on Hill 4305, he better be doing something to protect the flank of the 3rd Brigade. Commander's intent manages to align the behavior of soldiers at all levels without requiring play-by-play instructions from their leaders. When people know the desired destination, they're free to improvise as needed in arriving there. Here are two questions, and I want to show you, that two questions that uh, the military asks when they formulate a CI. So it's just one st- statement. Take the hill. You've got to take the hill no matter what. And then they, they decide how they're going to take it. They, they have a plan, but if things fall through, they improvise. And here's two questions that they ask when they're forming the commander's intent. If we do nothing else, During tomorrow's mission, we must. And then the second question is, the single most important thing we must do tomorrow is. So they're thinking, those soldiers are out there, what's the single most important thing they must do? Now, all of us know God's pretty wise, right? God's really, really, really wise. And guess what? God knew that the church would go through all kinds of cultural changes. He knew that technology would come. He knew everything would change. He, he knew that we'd be different in the United States than people in Europe, than people in South America, people in Africa. He knew all the different things that culture would be. He knew music styles would change. So he didn't give us a step-by-step, here's what a church service should look like, here's how you should do it. He just gave us the CI, Commander's Intent. He just said, guys, this is the most important thing and if you're going to do anything when you wake up tomorrow, I want you to be about this one thing. Southwest Airlines does the same thing. I'll, I'll tell you their, their story real quick instead of reading it, but it's really cool in the book. Southwest Airlines has a commander's intent. Do you know what it is? We are the low fare airline. That's their, that's their commander's intent. And uh, no matter what, their goal is, we're going to be the low fare airline. Do you know they're, they're the most most profitable airline in the world? Over the last two decades, no one's been more profitable than Southwest. It's my airlines of choice. I love Southwest. One of the reasons I love it is every jet in their fleet is a 737. That's a big jet. Three seats here, three seats on the other side. Never have to get in a puddle hopper. Can anybody say, yay, no puddle hoppers? None of those little planes. And, uh, but it's just a fun airline to fly. But Herb Kelleher, he's, he was the longest-serving CEO, he said I could teach anybody anybody, that's anyone in this room, I could teach you how to make decisions for this company in 30 seconds. Isn't that, that, isn't that amazing? And here's how he would teach it. He would say, every decision, you have to ask yourself to question, will this make us the low fare airline? Every time you make a decision. So what if someone came to you from marketing and they said, we're getting all these emails and people are telling us from the Houston to Las Vegas flight, you know, it's just peanuts. We'd like a chicken Caesar salad. He said, how would you answer that person? And so her kelleher went on to answer it you know what he said he said you look at her and say if that will keep us the low fare airline from houston to las vegas we'll do it he says if it won't and i'm 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 not going to say the word he said we won't serve any blank chicken caesar salad that might sound harsh to you but what is he doing he knows this is the goal of our company why have they been so successful they have a goal. You know they have a second commander's intent? It's not the first, but it's the second. You know what it is? Have fun at work. And if you've ever flown Southwest, you know when they tell you about how to put your seatbelts on, where the exits are, and if the bag comes down? Yeah. Most of those employees, they have a comedy routine. You just sit there rolling. They're so funny about it. They're happy. They're having fun. They, they have hundreds of thousands of people apply for a thousand jobs. It's an amazing place. But why is it? Well, they're focused. Well, guess what? Jesus wanted the church to be so focused. So he gave us two commanders' intents. And I want to show you one today, one next week. But the first one's the most important. And it's just like what the army does. God wants every one of us to know this is the most important. If you wake up tomorrow, what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to be about this. And I want to bring it down to you, everyday life, and then I want to bring it to a church. But let me just show you the commander's intent. And and here's what you want to know before I read this. When Jesus was raised from the dead... The first day, he appeared four times, four times. The fourth time, he appeared to his disciples. That's when he gave the commander's intent. And then somewhere later, we don't know, because Jesus appeared off and on for 40 days, and then 40 days, he, he he ascended into heaven on the 40th day after his resurrection. And somewhere after the first day, most scholars think it's closer to the 40 days, he gave the second commander's intent. So that, that one's important, but the most important one is this one we're going to read. So it's in Mark 16, and it, it reads like this, verse 14. Fourth time he appeared on the day of his resurrection. Still later, he appeared to the eleven disciples as they were eating together. He rebuked them for their unbelief, their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him alive from the dead. And then the next thing is verse 15. And then he told them, You are to go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone, everywhere those who believe and are baptized will be saved, but those who refuse to believe will be condemned. Boy, we have heard that a million times, haven't we? I've heard that a billion times, and uh, sometimes it becomes white noise, doesn't it? Like, what's the commander's intent? This is Jesus telling the church, I don't care how you do it, but I want you doing this because he knew culture would change. He knew everything would change. He he knew that churches in the Northeast would be different than churches in the Bible Belt. If you've ever been to the Bible Belt, it's different down there. You can't bring that up here and and, and do it the way they do because people in the Northeast are different than people in the South. So, you, you know, everything's different according to culture, but Jesus doesn't care about that. You know what he cares about? his commander's intent. And he said, guys, I just figure out how to do it. And so it changes every decade. It changes with generations. Just said, I want you to do everything in your power to bring people to believe in me. So here at Believers, we exist to see a city connected with God. That's our number one goal. And if you're part of our church, you, you guys know that. But what does that mean? You know, sometimes you have uh, people's minds, you have a church that they say, oh, that's you know, when, when, when I was a young Christian, we used to say, oh, that's a Baptist church. All they do is preach about being saved every week. That's all they talk about. And we would make fun of all the Baptist churches, you know. Well, I'm going to hear a message on Jesus, and you have to believe in him. And, 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 and then the Baptists would make fun of the charismatic churches, you know. And, and there's got to be a balance to where you're discipling people and teaching them meaty things like this. But, but you're also having this heart for people to come to Christ, Both are so important. So let's talk about church-wise, okay? When it comes to the church, a church has to have just a passion to bring people to Christ. And so here at Believers, we do, and you see every week I do an altar call. Get a hold of this. You guys ready to just give me a shout? Can can we shout about this? Um, This year so far, we're averaging 18 people a week accepting Christ as their Savior. Can can we shout about that, guys, as a church? Yeah! That's incredible! I remember when it used to be zero, and I would say, why is it zero? And God's like, oh, I can tell you. And he did, and, and we changed some things, and it's not zero anymore. It's, it's, we're averaging 18. That's incredible. So as a church, when you volunteer, when you give, you're helping us with the CI, guys. Thank you so much. It's, it's incredible. But let's talk about you as a person because can I say something that's really important? You ready? Listen now. Less than 5% of you have the ability to knock on a door, a stranger's door, and when the door opens, say, I came to tell you about Jesus. Very few of us can do that, guys. And most of us are so condemned when we hear the Scripture about going in all the world, preaching the gospel, we are so condemned and say, oh, I can't do that. Well, well God doesn't expect you to do that. So let's ask ourselves, what does it look like if I'm going to have a passion for souls, what does it look like? H- how does it develop? And if you want some extra reading material, uh, Bill Heibel's, in my opinion, one of the greatest pastors out there, he's, he's incredible. Uh, he wrote a book titled, Just Walk Across the Room. Incredible book. Just Walk Across the Room. Best book on soul winning I've ever read, and I've read tons of them. Never read a book better than Just Walk Across the Room. And and he'll just talk to you about your everyday life and your heart and just having a heart to bring people to Christ. But if you were to ask me, Pastor Joe, what do I do? Here's the number one thing. You ready? You have to make it a passion. It's just the passion. Are you passionate about anything else? And and it's okay to be passionate about anything else. But think about something you're passionate about. If you're passionate about something, isn't it on your mind? Isn't it on your heart all the time? Just think about the things that you are passionate about. Like, I'm a passionate Buckeye fan, so, you know, and unfortunately, they've been playing right during Saturday night service a lot this year, so what do I do? I DVR it, and then I go home later, and I watch it. I'm pas- I, I make sure it's, it's set to DVR. I make sure, I, I, I mean, I go home, and, and I get all set up, and I sit there, and I watch the game. I'm passionate about it. What you're passionate about, you, you, you fit it into your life, so make it a passion you see you won't make it a passion until you understand it's the ci it's the commander's intent it's the number one heart of jesus he says i have food you know not of my food is a dual will god he wants it to be on a heart here's the second thing it's real simple you ready all those people you know that aren't christians some are your neighbors some are your relatives some you work with whoever they are some you rub shoulders with when you take your kids to school some are the people in school with you pray for them and it, it doesn't have to be every day it doesn't have to be long But begin to pray for them. And here's how I pray for people like that. I say, Lord, open up their eyes like you opened up my eyes. Open up their eyes that Jesus is Messiah. Lord, if they're blinded by any unbelief or any wrong perception, take the blinders off. And I just pray simple prayers like that. It's so simple. And I just say, Jesus, I want to see him be saved. And then here's what I do. I say, Lord, open a door for me. Give me an opportunity. Open something up so I can talk to them and I am amazed with what God does. I've been praying for some leaders in our community for years and years and years, and, and I have watched God move people here to work right next to them, and those people that moved here come to our church, and I watch God have that person right there to begin to speak into their lives. It's amazing if you and I pray what God does. I pray for my relatives out of state because I'm still Joey, the tr- sloppy Joe. They, they don't always listen to me. So I pray for God to send somebody else to them. But I say, Lord, open up a door. And it's amazing to watch God open up doors so I can share Christ with people. And it's just having a heart. Some of you may say, I don't know how to share Christ. Well, just invite them to church sometimes. Say, Lord, open up a door for me to do that. Now, can you see what, where I'm going? It's just all about passion. Can I show you a stat that will make you really happy? Um, This comes uh, from the book, The On Church Next Door, Dr. Thomas Rainer. Did you know 82% of on church people say they would attend church if invited? Eight out of 10 people that don't go to church say, if someone invited me, I'm go. I'm just waiting for someone to invite me. Now here's another stat. 98% of church members never extend an invitation to an on church person in a given year. So only 2% of Christians in a given year, invite someone to church. And I realize we can't be doing it every week because we don't know enough people. I realize that we're working and and we're waiting for open doors. So I understand that. But what if the church said, you know what? The CI, the commander's intent, thank God that God wants us to make disciples. That's the second one. I'm going to talk about it next week. He wants us to make disciples of Christians. Thank God for that one. And once you become a passionate disciple, your number one goal in life will be I want to see people come to Christ. Uh, It will become your number one goal. But but just think about it being your passion. Think about how that would change. I want to tell you something cool about our church, and you may not know this, but we we keep stats, and 60% of the people that visit believers accept Christ. I think that's absolutely amazing, 60% of our visitors. But you know what? We also know this, 60% of our visitors are already Christians. So if you take that into account, we're we're a little bit over 80% of the people that visit believers accept Christ. That's absolutely amazing. There's an atmosphere here that brings people to Christ and then once people come, our goal is let's 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 make them passionate about Jesus. I'm passionate, so I'm just trying to get what's in me to rub off on everybody, and I try my best to teach it as well as I can. Look at this U.S. uh, 2010 religious census. This is uh, um, amazing. Uh, 51% of the people in Trumbull County, Mahoning's very similar, uh, that's 114,000 people don't attend church at all. Isn't that amazing? 114,000 people. Now, if 82% of them say I would come to church if someone invited me, there's 93,000 people waiting out there for a church member somewhere, not even just here. 93,000 people waiting for someone to say, come to church with me. And then once they get in church, God can touch hearts and God can deal with them. How many of you are excited about that stat? I mean, that's that's an amazing stat. And it's amazing how many people are waiting to come into the kingdom. So here at Believers, we realize people will visit here from other churches. People will come here from other churches. But we're, we're, that is not our goal. We realize that's going to happen. God's going to lead people to to move and make changes. We're okay with that, but I wanna be, I wanna have a high percentage of people that attend here. I want a high percentage that begin to come here. I want them to be on church people that come to Christ, and you know what we're doing at church, so I wanna thank you guys for helping us. So there's, the, there's church, but then there's your heart. So <coughs> I think I made my point today, and over the next four weeks, I'm gonna do something. I'm gonna talk about our 210, for like 10 minutes, 2.10, 10 minutes. Gonna, gonna keep it right at 10 minutes as I close every lesson. And I'm gonna give you guys an update. So this is like a 2.10 update. And if you haven't been around, you, you haven't been here, you'll hear about 2.10 in, in just a moment. And, and if you're visiting today, listen, I'm not asking you for any money. If you've been here for a couple weeks or a couple months and you haven't decided if this is your church, I am not asking you for money. I, w- I want you to know that. But as you hear me talk about our 210 initiative, here's what I want you to hear. You ready, all our visitors? I want you to see that this church, we love you so much, we're raising some extra money above our regular money so we can reach more and more people and connect them to God and bring them to Christ and then mature them. So that's what 210 is about. For, for all the rest of you, first, can I thank everybody that's given to 210? Thank you, guys. So many of you have given. Thanks for your generosity. We appreciate it. And then for some of you that are newer, we have so many new people here that I have to, you know, take some time and, and, and get you guys in on the last year. So we're excited about all our new people that are here, and you love this church, and we love you. And, just going to talk to you so this week I would encourage you if you want to learn more just go out to the lobbies we have beautiful brochures but I thought I'd give you first an update we we hit a milestone take a look take a look at this Uh, we hit five million guys Uh, our goal is six million over two years and so we hit the five million mark can we give a shout for that just thank God that's awesome that's awesome I'm so excited about it so thank you guys for that and in case you don't know what that means, I want to make sure you ma- that's $5 million that's either pledged or expected giving. Now, expected giving is this, guys. If someone didn't pledge, we just took what they gave in 2014, and we figured they'd give it in 2015, they'd give it in 2016. So that's just what they have been giving. We figured that's what they'll keep giving. And then we added pledges to it, and we're at $5 million. So uh, w- our goal is $6 million so we can, we can accomplish what we need to accomplish. And, and uh, here's where the money is going for 210, and again, the brochures will explain everything. But you can see where the money's going up here behind me. You see the annual ministry operations. That's just the people that give to the general fund. That's the lights and the mortgage and that kind of thing. Then outreaches, Jefferson Missions, campus expansion, all that, and then you have your building renovations. And uh, the building renovations, I'm not gonna show you any pictures today, but if you ever wanna walk on our children and students' side, you ever want to check it out? It's just really old. You know how when you're in here, this is like, oh, my gosh, this is incredible. The lobbies are incredible. Sound system's incredible. Band's incredible. Everything's incredible. Uh, on the youth side, everything's falling apart, and students, and the kids' side, because it's old. And, and I don't have enough money in the general budget to just go buy those things, so we said, let's let's ask our people to be generous. Let's do a fundraiser, and everybody will give according to their abilities. That's, that's all it's about is you give where you're at. and And so just on the... Remodel side, we need to raise 1,350,000. So you can see we, we have a lot of that left. We only need to raise a million more and we cover everything in two ten. So I'm really, really excited about that. So if, if you were to ask me, Pastor Joe, what can we do in one year left? How can we raise that 1 million more? I'll show you. Here's how we can reach it, all right? Just simply those did pledge fulfilling their pledges and you guys have been great with that. So that, that's obvious. And then we'll need some large donations. All the experts say you've got to have a few large donations, some people that drop in a big amount. And if you look at our uh, commitment cards on the, on the back of them, they tell you what some of those amounts are. If some of you that have the means, I didn't have the means to drop the big one, and I wish I could drop the big one in, but I don't have the big one. So, so if, if somebody out there has a big one, it would be a great blessing. And then here's something else. Uh, the third thing, 210 giving units jumping in for the remaining year, that, that's all. And I I came up with 210. You know why we have 210 people that haven't jumped into 210 yet? Because we have so many new people coming. It's amazing. Let me tell you something about pastoring in, 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 uh, I'll say the Mahoney Valley. I have friends who pastor all over the country, so we compare notes. Our attrition rate is way higher than any other place in the country because people leave here to go to Columbus, South Carolina, North Carolina, Florida. I hate those places, all right? And... uh, (laughs) There was one year, I think it was 2007, I- I'm not lying when I say this, in 2007, every weekend, some beautiful couple or single person came up to me and said, Pastor Joe, this is our last service here, and I say, where are you going? Florida, Columbus, South Carolina, North Carolina, like, eh, I hope it snows this year down there. <coughs> so here's, here's what I'm talking about. We have a lot of people leaving the area, so in order for us to grow as a church, we have to to get way more new people in than someone that lives in the Bible Belt. Someone that lives in Florida, they get all those new people coming. like They think they're doing a good job, but it's just like, well, you had a million new people move in last year. but, But here, we lose so many people. For us to grow, guys, I'm so excited about what God's doing here in this community. It's amazing what he's doing in this church. So if we could get 210 of you, a lot of you are new guys, if all of you could do what you can do. See, it's, it's all about doing what you can do. If all of you would prayerfully consider, you're going to do your best. I came up with this saying. Take a look at this saying. It just goes like this. and I'll, I'll read it since it didn't come up. 210 additional giving units will be will help BC reach our 210 goal. And, and I don't want that to sound cold, a giving unit. It just I didn't know any other way to explain it. A giving unit could be a couple or it could be a single person. So I didn't know how to say that. Uh, but, but if we had 210 more people jump in, man, we could reach our goal. So some of you are sitting here and you're like, uh, Pastor Joe, I can't. Listen, listen, I'm not asking for money for me, I'm asking for the church and, and I'm just, this is what you call the ask, you know. I, I never enjoyed doing this, but it's so much easier now because I realize I'm doing this for the kingdom of God, not for Joe. And so it's become something I'm very comfortable with. But here, here's what I wanna say to you, I'm gonna try to hit different areas, okay. If you're here and you're on a pension, God understands that. If you can throw a buck a month in, if you could throw five bucks a month in, just, just ask yourself, what can I throw in? Because God judges us according to what our abilities are, so don't, build, don't be condemned if you're here. I had guys walk up to me last year and they said, Pastor Joe, my, my pension just got cut by 20%, so I'm going to give less, and I look at them and say, God understands that, don't you dare feel condemned. Just do something. If you can throw a buck in five, you, you ask God, what can I do? Some of you are raising families. Gina and I remember raising a family. That's expensive to raise a family. So ask yourself, what can I do at this stage in life? All of us are in different stages of life. But just ask yourself this question, what can I toss in? And can I say something to you? I want to brag on this church. I don't know what you give, okay? So if you're out there thinking, I'm going to hide. He knows I'm not giving. I don't, all I know is what's given. I don't know the people. I don't want to know. I've had consultants tell me, you should know what people give. And I go, when I'm in that lobby, I don't want anybody to think I'm looking at them as a dollar or with a dollar sign. I want them to know all I care about is their soul. So when I see, I don't know if you gave or not. I don't know. Now, if you want me to know because you want me to know, tell me. But uh, I'm not going to look, okay? But if you want me to know what you gave, come up and say, I gave this. okay? and I'll, I'll thank you for it. I really will thank you sincerely. But I don't want you to walk out of here condemned today but, but here's the deal. If I could get 210 people to say, I'm jumping in. Some of you aren't giving at all. If you say, I'm going to start giving consistently. Some of you, maybe say, I can give more. You jump up more. We just all do our things. Can, I'm telling you, we, we can reach it real, real easy. So that's my big sell. How many of you can say, Pastor Joe, that's a good job. Give me a hand. Say, oh, man, that's awesome. Yeah. No one ever hired me to go raise money. I don't know why, you know. But uh, they don't call me to raise money for them. But here's what I learned. It's all a hard issue, guys. And, and God, Paul raised money in the Bible, St. Paul. Everybody had to raise money because if you're doing the work of God, you have to work. But to me, it's transparency and a hard issue, man. It's just about saying, hey, pray and ask God what you can do and let God do it. But now we need to bow our heads, close our eyes, and pray. Four weeks from the day, guys, you'll have a chance. that If you're not connected, you'll have a chance to connect. So we'll talk more about that. But let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Father, we're going back now to the message, the message, Lord the commander's intent, the food that you said you want to energize us, Lord God. And, Lord, I've done my best to teach this part of our vision, this part of Bible. And, Lord, all of us here, we're in a different place. And I know myself, I keep, you keep opening my eyes every every year. And I see things now that I never understood before. And we're all doing that, Lord. So here's my prayer. Lord, wherever we're at, Take this message and make it real to us. As we walk through our week, remind us if we're not passionate about souls. And, Lord, for some of us, we, we just need you to help us understand how to reach people. And I, made, I, I talked about it, Lord, uh, that book, Just Walk Across the Room, incredible. Lord, just help us understand it's a simple lifestyle thing. But, Lord, here's what we ask. Guys, if you agree with this, ask it with me. Put a passion in, in our hearts, Lord to see people come to Christ, because Jesus, you taught us that if people don't accept Christ when they die, there's only one other place to go. And Lord, you said you created that place for the enemy and the fallen angels. Lord, you said you don't want one human being to ever go there. So Lord, make make this a passion of our hearts. And, And if you agree with that, would you whisper that to the Lord? Just say, make that a passion of my heart. See, this is how you make disciples. You teach the Bible, and you, you bring people to see what's in the Bible. Now, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Let's stand in an attitude of prayer. If you're here and you say, Pastor Joe, I am not sure of my eternity. I'm not sure if I were to die where I'd go. I, I, I can't say I, I, I really know that I'm hooked up with Jesus, but, Pastor Joe, my heart's touched today. I'm ready. I realize this church is going to invest money to reach more people like me. I'm ready, Pastor Joe. I'm ready for it. If you're ready, listen to me very carefully. I'm not asking you to join our church. I'm not asking you if you grew up in a Christian church. I'm not asking you if you were water baptized as a baby or an adult. Those are all important things. But here's what I'm asking you. Can you remember a day in your life when you made it personal? A day in your life when you said, Jesus, I believe that you are the Savior, and I make a decision today to receive you and follow you. If you're here and you say, I can't remember that day, I just, you know, I just can't but you say, I'm ready. Would you pray with me right now? Everyone else in the building, would you help them pray? Say this after me. Say, Lord God, I realize I'm a sinner. I repent for all my sins. And this day, I give my heart to Jesus. Jesus, I believe you died for me. God raised you up. And I make a decision today to follow you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to the BC Podcast. Follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram to stay updated, inspired, and encouraged.